and welcome to Great Culture, the new bi-weekly podcast where three women drink wine and talk about life, literature and feminism. I'm Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And welcome to our inaugural podcast. Woo! Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, we're all really, really into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you sound so sarcastic. I can't help it. That's just my natural tone. It's true. Right. True story. So... What is grape culture? Well, basically, the three of us, um, already with two of our other friends, used to do a drunk book club, and we still do a drunk book club, which is exactly what it sounds like, where we get together, we read a book of one of our choosing, and then we get drunk and talk about it, um, normally with some very impassioned, impassioned responses from everyone, I think. I would concur. <laughs> Uh, and so we realised we weren't just talking about books, um, we were also talking about pop culture and other topics, and we decided, hey, maybe let's just record ourselves talking shit, so that's what this is going to be. It's going to be us reading or talking about some sort of topic and drinking wine. Uh, yeah. Basic premise of the podcast is that we will take in turns each week to pick a book or an article or a movie or a topic, and then we'll discuss our take on it, but we'll also be picking a wine that has a thematic link to what we're talking about. Some weeks we might pick two wines, as Alex, our resident vegan, will be choosing Ooh. vegan wines where the uh, initial wine is not vegan. So, so what are we talking about this week, Sam? What are we talking about this week, Sammy? <laughs> well, uh, this week, well, our topic this week is a book called Barbara the Slut and Other People, which is written by Lauren Holmes, and it's a series of short stories. And we're drinking The Thing, as I've written down here, which is a wine that Kim has chosen. Kim, do you want to tell us about that? Yes, we are drinking the sparkling wine from Stanlake Park, which is an English vineyard uh, near Twyford. It Ooh. is a wine that is actually vegan, as they Ooh. use bentonite, <laughs> refined natural clay, as opposed to animal products for the fining of the wine. Apparently, according to Vince Gower, who uh, answered my question on the website, it does a better job and tastes better too. Fabulous. So, without further ado, I will pop the bottle. Pop that cog. <laughs> now we have 30 seconds of dead air while Kim struggles to get the cork out of the bottle. I shall not. an Englishman by the name of Christopher Merritt invented the traditional method of making sparkling wine. Our heritage fruit award-winning sparkling variety is made from our best grapes and aged in the Stanlake cellars for several years. It is a dry, slightly aromatic taste, best served chilled. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. Yeah, I love how you went even posher despite already being posh. <laughs> so why did you pick this wine uh, for our first one, for our first podcast? Thank so you. the reason that I chose this particular wine is um, that it is a special occasion wine. It is destined for a special occasion and destined. there is no more special occasion it is your destiny than our Thank inaugural you. podcast except yeah. you know like weddings and new years and stuff but no one's having <laughs> any of those so because we'll refuse to get married good also um, i kept forgetting about it and it's in my wine rack excellent good seems as good a reason as any so why should you listen to us talk about stuff that is a very good question so alex do you want to tell us a bit about yourself she looked um, very terrified when i asked her that as if she'd never <laughs> been asked that question before <laughs> Uh, so I'm Alex by day I am a producer of theatre who are you by night? <laughs> by night I cook lots of vegan food and drink lots of wine as much as my bank balance will handle and sometimes a little more than your bank balance can handle and sometimes like yeah the rest of us, I think. yeah exactly Kimberly, would you like to introduce yourself I would I'm Kim I am a massive nerd about books and um, podcasts 
massive nerd about podcasts almost to the point of evangelism and i'm also according to friends of the podcast 75 percent wine at any given time it's true mm-hmm. so i'm also a massive fan of all three so this is perfect for me and i'm sam and i sometimes do stand-up comedy i'm sometimes a writer and sometimes i sell sex toys for a living so that's the three of us welcome with a, with a, with a company or just on the street Depends, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just out of a coat. Like, <laughs> you want to buy a dildo? <laughs> I mean, I'd buy one from that kind of person. Who wouldn't, really? Just, like, stand behind Morrison's. Why Morrison's? I don't know. It seems like a dildo kind of supermarket. I don't know. It's kind of, like, not as posh as weight clothes, um, but, like... a suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Morrison's, if you'd like to sponsor our next one, wine or with dildos, do get in touch. So, that was the three of us, and without further ado... We are going to move on to chatting about books. So welcome to Great Culture. Yay! Yay! How does everyone find the very special Sand Lake Park English Brut Ooh, Heritage Brut? I realise I have Is it Brut? Been... How do you say that? I don't brut. think you say brew, do you? Brut. 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 Sparkling wine. Yeah. How do you find your brut, brut? One down from <laughs> champagne. One <laughs> Is it one down from champagne? No, champagne is region specific. It can only be made in champagne. Champagne. So what's what is brut? Sparkling wine. As what, you can tell, we prosecco? are already wine connoisseurs. But then what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> we have not done our research. Again, this may be uh, a learning curve for all of us. So if you know what the difference between brut and any prosecco. other sparkling wine is, like prosecco, please do let us know by contacting us on Twitter. We are at Grape Culture Podcast. So. Barbara the Slut. And other stories. And other stories. Mm. Why did we choose this book, Kim? Well, initially I chose this book because I wanted us to have something to talk about, but I also know that we're all very, very busy people, and Summer in particular is very busy for um, certain members of the podcast. Yes. I was in the process of changing jobs as well, so I wanted something that we could dip in and out of. And I also wanted something funny and light that we could enjoy because of various reasons. Because life is tough. Because life is <laughs> yeah. hard and adulting is hard. And this book has a bright pink colour, is short stories and says hilarious on the front cover. So I thought it was a safe bet. Nice. Also, I was very intrigued by the slightly controversial title, Barbara the Slut. Yes. And some guy in Waterstones once recommended it to me when I bought another book by... Um, Helen Ellis called American Housewife which is very funny so I thought that it would be a good match I really hoped you were going to say something like Virginia Woolf then I thought you were going to say something like Harry the like knob or something (laughs) Harry the knob in bookstores near you all I do is buy books with uh, people's names and crew descriptions (laughs) I would love that outed I would read that series I read a description of the current mental state of the world as being um Everyone has anxiety and everything's on fire, which pretty much sums it up. So a nice light to read was a good choice, I think. Mm, yeah, that was yes. the goal. Yes. At least. So Alex, for anyone who may not have heard of the book or read the book, can you tell them a little bit about it, what it is? and So, as well, I suppose it's a selection of short stories. I think there's probably eight Eight in total? One, two, three. Four, She's counting on the Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> a nice even ten. <laughs> Um, ten short stories, uh, mainly with, well, all with women, like a female, mm, did no. one have a man? The second yeah, one is the second one's a man. man. Um, but kind of centering around women. One centres around a female dog, which I enjoyed immensely. A so golden retriever. A <laughs> yeah, but also a golden retriever, which is yeah, my favourite type true. of dog, so I was very much into that story. Um, and just kind of, I suppose, snippets of their lives, not necessarily the best life that they're leading, 
Um, but kind of just very real people as well. So I suppose quite relatable stories, but with un, un, maybe a few unrelatable circumstances that make them a little bit more heightened and funny. Yeah. So I think we would normally begin, and serves to do it now, um, with the first general impressions that we got from reading the book. Did everyone read all the stories? Yes. Mm. Did anyone have a favourite story? Um, fire away. I would start, but I want to start this podcast positively (laughs) so you want someone with a positive view to start first or at least someone who's better at faking it i can fake it that's fine (laughs) yeah i think i can fake it (laughs) so yeah the book overall first impressions of barbara the slut i expected it to be honestly laugh out loud funny um and to be quite light-hearted it turned out it wasn't quite like that there were some funny moments in it and it does have some funny stories and funny characters um, but it's a lot more bittersweet, I think, than I was anticipating. My favourite story, I think, is probably Desert Hearts in the collection, which is a short story about a girl who leaves law school. Oh, yeah. Yes, and then decides she doesn't want the pressure of a law job, and so she decides to sell dildos in San Francisco. I wonder uh, why that was your favourite story, Sarah. Yes, it, I, I did Slightly see... A, relatable. <laughs> I would say I saw a little bit of myself in her, but I think it was more a little bit of plastic. <laughs> Or silicone. Or silicone. Silicone is more hypoallergenic, guys. (laughs) Well, there you go. So, yeah, I thought that was the one that was most like what I expected the anthology to be like, Mm. if that makes sense. So that would be my favourite. What about you, Alex? I quite quite enjoyed Barbara the Slut. I suppose, you know, you're waiting for that story throughout the whole book because obviously, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I suppose... What I quite enjoyed was the fact that, well, it's about a young girl who's at school, at high school, um, and she's quite promiscuous, but she enjoys that, and then gets really, really upset with the fact that she's called a slut. I'm not going to say that's the most relatable story, because that's, <laughs> that's painting me in a bad See light. The crossroads. <laughs> um, but I will say, in terms of modern culture, the fact that young women are like kind of slut-shamed, when all she's talking about is the fact that she just really enjoys sex, yeah. and enjoys, you know, the male company, and I thought that was quite, quite an interesting take on it, really. I also enjoyed the story that was from the point of view of a dog because also it wasn't necessarily about the dog it was about the relationship between two people and that kind of falling apart so i suppose yeah yeah, that wasn't laugh out loud funny but it was quite interesting seeing it from quite a a point of view that wasn't kind of beaten down by human emotions and the (laughs) world um so that was a quite an innocent point of view so that's quite interesting kimberly I um, just picked up on something that you said there, which may or may not get cut out from the podcast, but um, (laughs) you said you didn't want to say it was the most relatable because it painted you in a bad light and yet then went on to talk about slut shaming, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, So just, you know, like, what does that mean to you, Alex, just to really psychoanalyse you? Um, (laughs) Just you in particular. Just you in particular. No, I think... (laughs) <laughs> Internalised misogyny is a big problem, and I think that that was a big part of the collection. Yes. Mm. A lot of it was male gaze to, like... Every time someone says that, I'm like, what's wrong with male gaze? They're the best kind the best of gaze. Kind of gaze. <laughs> Don't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. the, a lot of it was them talking about their their appearance or how they are being perceived by people. And while That's it was true. a very female-heavy book and is written by a female author i thought it was interesting that at times uh it was still being contextualized in terms of male gaze and also that my 
own preconceived notion of what a story should look like sometimes overtook what I think the person in the in the story was telling me. For example, in Barbara the Slut, she kind of makes it very clear that she's not interested in a relationship. She just wants to go to uni. And the, the issue that she has is that she doesn't want her little brother to be the subject of ridicule and for her to be the subject of ridicule through her little brother. But that was all really great and interesting and very profound. And yet I was still like, but can't she get together with the first guy that she slept with who kind of the wrong sounds really nice. He yeah. sounds really yeah. nice and didn't really want to sleep with her straight away. But, and yeah. what that says about me, am I just rom-com starved? Or is that not unlike Alex, a kind of internalised, well, this is the way the world is? I think what was interesting about that was the fact that she was fine with being slut shamed and having and being called these things while she was just sleeping with one person at a time but then when she wanted to be in a relationship it all felt like she may want to see this person again or sleep with them for a second time she that's when the slut shaming became a problem for her it's almost like you can be slut shamed and be slutty but yeah you can sleep with multiple people but if you want to be monogamous you can't be a slut like it, it's you can't have you can't be seen to have been a slut like why why <laughs> Well, that is the biting question, really, yeah. is why? And I don't know, because men are the worst. Yeah, but women in this book are just as bad. Well, it's not Very true. I know it may be a um, male-orientated point of view, but the women behave just as badly. Yeah, and that, you know, it all loops back around to kind of what I was saying before, the mm. idea of internalised misogyny, which I think we could probably unpack on another podcast, yes. rather than our very first one, where we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the subject, though, of the sort of biting questions and it being a little bit less light and sweet and fluffy as we expected, how's everyone finding the wine? Um, <laughs> yes, we were going to talk about the wine, weren't we? <laughs> it there's not much of it left in my glass to be honest it's <sighs> calling me out on my hostess skills it's just rude it's just yeah. rude it's weirdly appley and i know that seems like a strange thing to say but it's got like a cider taste to it it's it? a bit cidery actually yeah i do think it's very dry and i like yeah. that because i find really sweet wines gross yes which is weird because i drink red wine but um red wine's not particularly i do like the kind of sharp sharper element to it yeah and finding it pairs very well with barbara the slut if i do say so myself because well, it's biting and sharp it is biting and sharp the and... bubbles make me happy <laughs> and the bubbles make alex happy yes it is nice uh but nice is saying, the worst Holly. word to use when it comes to describing nice anything. is damning with faint praise nice this damning. is much better than nice it is better than nice it is um what's the phrase i use about tattinger dangerously chuggable dangerously juggable and i would say the same for this i think it is a very good all-rounder for a special occasion yeah. it's it's fancier than your average bonk yes but it's not so um unique and exquisite that it is not so exquisitely expensively ridiculously fancy that you can't serve it at a party where more than two people are attending yeah is what i was trying to say expensive Honestly, I don't know, because I was at a wine tour at the aforementioned Stanlake Park. They do an excellent wine tour with excellent wine tasting, and I learned a lot. I particularly liked their Pinot Noir, the one red they do, and their rosé. So if they want to send us more free wine, that would be great. We would love that. But by the time we actually came to paying for the wine, I was quite drunk. So you probably spent more than you were likely to in any other occasion. At the risk of exposing my privilege, I'm pretty sure my parents spent a lot of money. <laughs> Classic. Mm -hmm. It can be purchased from Waitrose, as I understand. 
if that gives any indication you to... know we're not getting paid to advertise this right <laughs> i mean we've, I we've dropped a lot of names actually i'm just trying to help the people buy the wine good support english wine support english wine it's yeah, local. Not local yeah i mean english wine is my, wouldn't be most people's first choice for any kind of wine but this is good and it is a growing market mm-hmm. and it as it should be but not british wine english wine british wine no it's a it's a legitimate thing british wine means that it's bottled in the uk but not necessarily grown right. in the uk english wine means that it is grown in england so Welsh wine is the same. Welsh wine means it is grown in Wales. Right. Scottish wine? I've Anyone ever had any Scottish wine? Welsh wine? Scottish wine is whiskey. Scottish wine is whiskey, yeah. A 175 serving of whiskey, yes please. Right. Right, back on track. Yeah, so I... That was my first sort of thought that I wanted to say just about the book. In terms of favourite stories... It's a tough one for me. I think that probably, like you, the Desert Hearts is one of one of my preferred. Yeah. I enjoyed the narrative of the one I forget what it's called, but the one from the point of view of the dog. My humans. I enjoyed like the point of view because it's not one that I've read before necessarily, mm. but I didn't necessarily love the story of it. No. Well, it was a sad story. It was sad. I don't like sad stories. No. Should have picked a romance. You, mind you, all of them were quite all sad in their own clean. way. Yeah, that's the thing. They were all like, oh, there's no there's no happy ending. And not everything has to have a happy ending. But it might have been nice if there was one. Yes. Yeah, they all chose to also end on a mid-point, almost. Like, not mid-sentence by any means, but... It was like a non-event, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, it didn't come to a conclusion as such. Like, mm. some, either something just stopped or someone walked... Like, well, that sounds like an ending when you say someone walks away, but it just... I don't know. Didn't I, suppose, I suppose it was representing life, though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That it just continues. Was... It just continues. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Oh, my God. This has become a lot bleaker than I anticipated. <laughs> just looking Much at like the... the book. Just looking at the contents, um, I realised that I do have one that I think that I enjoyed the most, which was New Girls. Which one was New Girls? Oh, we should have um, prefaced this entire podcast with spoilers. Um, Spoilers for this book that's been out since, I think, 2015. So everyone is probably fine. New Girls was the Mm. one about all the girls when she went to school. She transferred from school in America to school in Germany when she was a child. That was the one and met and it's basically a brief overview of all the people that she met and like all the girls that she made friends with however briefly in that way that you do when you're a young girl and certainly i think she goes to a girl's school no because she has a boyfriend it's a mixed tech school oh i got the maybe i was just projecting but i got the impression that it was like she was in a girl's form or something and that she had to spend more time with the girls like there wasn't as she had her boyfriend Benjamin. But I didn't. I, I didn't think, feel no, like it, it was mixed. Talks about them being in class together. I think. Yeah. Clearly, uh, I, I was projecting. I think, was, I think it was just also yeah. the fact that she lived on a street, and the estate agent was like, "You'll make friends with all these girls in your neighborhood." Yeah. And that kind of set up that yeah, kind of. Through... I need to make friends with the popular girls or this friend who is yeah. older or whatever. And all but, the yeah. looks like flicking through again all the chapters were not chapters but like sections were headed with a girl's name like crystal well, it, yeah because it but is there about is nothing, girls it is about girls but then there isn't one just for her boyfriend so it's no. interesting it's a side note mm. yeah um but i really enjoyed that one it it did make me think quite strongly of oh my youth <laughs> um not that i moved from america to germany clearly but just that 
going to a girls school in the way that friendships change so rapidly in that kind of environment anyway as they do for most things but I went to a secondary school with no one from my primary school mm. no one from my local village all new people and I didn't really establish my friendship group that I'm still friends with now until year 11 sixth form maybe yeah with the exception of one person and that there were times when I wanted to be friends with the popular girls over the people who were actually my friends, which I, I just found that like a really interesting, honest, but not necessarily bleak. Mm. Like I didn't feel because she was so young, I didn't feel like it was hopeless. Whereas no. the stories where the central characters were in their mid to late 20s and going fucking nowhere was a little bit too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> going fucking nowhere. <laughs> The next one. A memoir. Um, a memoir. Yeah, I see what you mean. Do you think there was anyone in any of the story, like building on what you said about it not being, that that feature not being necessarily irredeemable for that person, was there anyone in any of the stories that either of you particularly liked or warmed to? I feel like I liked basically the whole central family in I Will Call to Raleigh if I have to. Okay. Oh yeah, I enjoyed them. They all got on. They all mm-hmm. supported each other. Mm-hmm. They seemed like fun. I'd go on holiday with them. Yeah, I really liked them. Yeah. Even though she was, you know, I must break up with my boyfriend at the expense of his happiness. Like, well, so what? You have to be happy too. And that's what you do at, you know, at university. You do break up with people. And you do do it before you go on holiday so your holiday isn't ruined. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got it. No, I enjoyed that family as well. Um, Like you said, they were all supportive of each other. They knew that the son, like snuck off to go on hikes where he just smoked weed constantly (laughs) how old was the lead female in it i think she was about 20 yeah i got a couple of years into college yeah i got second third year vibes yeah no i i enjoyed her and actually one of the laugh out loud moments for me was when she was pulling out the driveway and half of her car had (laughs) fallen out and she the the boyfriend was like um i think there's something wrong with your the ex-boyfriend i think there was something wrong with your car nope no, it's no, all everything's it's all fine. fine. Um, and I, you know, I could relate to that moment where you're just like, "This is all obviously falling to shit," but I'm going to carry on like it's all fine, um, because you just want to get out of a situation. And yeah. yeah, so I enjoyed that family as well. I agree with you, Kim. Yeah, I thought that was a really good story. I also, I have to say, you saw them for all of two seconds, but her ex-boyfriend's parents you like oh, yeah. let her in and be like oh it's so nice to see you we've let, like we've, we've gone out for the day and then they come back and he's in basically in tears and they just give her the look of death and i just i quite liked that that they yeah. were involved but not nosy and ready to think that their son was the best thing ever yeah because he might have been the best thing ever like just because he wasn't right for that person doesn't mean that he wasn't a nice guy you don't know what I think is interesting is the order of the stories because I will crawl to Raleigh if I have to and Desert Hearts are right next to each other. Mm. And I think they are two of the funnier stories. Mm. And I think that it ends with Barbara the Slut, the reading order, mm-hmm. which while not the funniest, I think is one of the most fleshed out, which makes sense, it being the, you know, the title story. And I'm wondering what everyone thinks about, like, it's starting with how am I supposed to talk to you and the weekend with Beth Kelly Muscle and Pammy which weekend with Beth Kelly Muscle and Pammy was the one written from the male perspective yeah Mm. I was wondering if anyone had any thoughts on that 
Uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we can just cut that bit. To be honest, I hadn't really thought about the order so much as just... Because the stories themselves are so bitty, like, as in they're just a chunk of it, it didn't really feel like there was an uh, like an overarching narrative to mm. me. And I know yeah. that's not the point. The stories weren't connected. There's nothing connecting these people um, other than basically snippets of their life and relationships. That's all it is, mm. really. So to me, it did, if there is a reason that it's structured like that, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah. I mean, you say there's nothing... Thematically, I guess, there's that vague... There's sort of a disillusionment yeah. thing, I think, throughout. Like, there's people have these idealised ways of living or perceptions of relationships or people that turn out not to be true in the stories. It's basically how I would say they're all linked. But yeah. I don't think that was... I don't think yeah, it was... It's not a strong enough... It didn't feel like a strong enough link. No. It wasn't like... Um, there's a collection of short stories which I've not read but I have had recommended to me a bajillion times, and not to me personally, admittedly, on a podcast. It's called The the Jin and Other Stories, or it's like The Jin the gin and Other... The Jin Falls in Love and Other Stories, that's it. And it right. is a collection of short, short stories about genes, about right. jinns and jinn mythology. And, like, they are all different, and some of them are happy, and some of them are sad, and some of them are long, and some of them are short, but they are all thematically linked by that. And that's quite on the nose in terms of thematic linking. Yeah. And then there are other short stories that I've read which I honestly can't remember the name of, which is really frustrating, where I felt that they are more linked by, like, they're all about siblings, but very vaguely or tangentially about siblings. Um, and interestingly, Lauren... Lauren... I think it's Lauren Holmes? Yes. Um, yes. It, it's either Lauren Holmes or it's Lauren Groff has a new short story collection out about Florida, and they are just all short stories set in Florida. Right. That kind of theme is obvious even if the stories are wildly different yep. whereas the opposite was true here the stories were quite similar but they didn't feel like they were connected no no that's that true. made sense and monologuing yes. monologue it's all right i think it's interesting that they are called short stories because like you say i don't think they're necessarily they don't have a whole narrative and like a, a story arc they it's were not, essentially snapshots. They're not structured. In yeah, the same they were snapshots way. of people's lives. But yeah. that is a story. I mean, yeah. most of my stories aren't structured or have a cohesive narrative. Clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, but that's what I mean. Maybe it is like it was trying to represent life. That actually, if you took a snapshot of your life, actually, there's no beginning, middle, and end. Really, half the time, it's just kind of yeah. just blah. <laughs> blah. It, I mean, that's the thing about them. They were very much like someone was sitting and telling you this story like they tell you in the pub. It wasn't, yeah. Um, you know, if someone doesn't sit you down and read you Ulysses, it was more of a conversational kind of... Wait, you haven't? I sat down in a pub and had someone read you Ulysses? Oh, clearly I've not been living. Yeah, clearly <laughs> not. You have not had the best first date that I've ever had. <laughs> it went on for 58 hours. <laughs> And no one knew who was speaking. And Depends was... on who was buying the drinks in that time, to be honest. Is, is that what would decide it? If someone bought all your drinks while you listened to the entire entirety of Ulysses, you'd be fine with that? If someone bought all the drinks, yeah, I think that's you know a lot of drinks. And that... some, maybe some chips. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't worry. It's fine as long as you eat. Yeah. <laughs> and breaks to go for a wee, you know. Good. <laughs> You're adding a lot of caveats to this mythical first date of mine. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, so if anyone wants to take any of us on a date and we have to do get As long as there's chips, booze, as as and a toilet nearby, we're yours. No, you must piss in the alley. <laughs> oh, no, that's a deal breaker. Sorry. And shit in a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so this mystery man has to have, like, a top hat as well? Like, yeah. Who said it was a 
top hat. I was thinking like a beanie. Oh no, I have, to have more structure to it. I don't date guys with beanies anymore. <laughs> anymore. Yep. That's off my radar. Which reminds me of one of my favourite quotes of the book. Good. Which was um, all the all the men that Beth had affairs with were, I think it was exceptionally attractive, but morally flawed. And I really enjoyed that line. <laughs> Which one was that from? I'm going to see if I can find the actual quote. It's from the um, weekend with Beth, Muscle, Pammy and somebody else. Oh, yes. I'm seeing if I can find it. I have two quotes. All of Beth lovers were basically the same. Good in bed, but deeply morally flawed. Oh, yeah, I do. And I, I really enjoyed that. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Anyone got any comments on good in bed, but morally flawed? Might get that one. That's a, a Tinder bio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, is a ten- that is a Tinder bio still, waiting to happen. I'm still sticking with my Tinder bio of I'm so type A, even my depression is high functioning. <laughs> I think that's I, I, I love it. I, like I think it. it's great. <laughs> just um, fucking radio silence. <laughs> so, no, I was just trying to remember what my Tinder bio actually was. It was something about free and elegant horse. I am a free and elegant horse. That's yeah. pretty Did much anyone it. ever comment on that? Yeah. What did they say? They were more interested in the actual picture of the horse. Nothing about pony treats or anything like that. No, nothing weird. Okay. No one sent you any genuine lyrics. No, I didn't actually get that many weirdos on Tinder, but I well, didn't. Even having a horse is like the yeah. <laughs> I didn't engage with it that much. I got more weirdos on Bumble, yeah. like that guy who basically wanted to marry me. I think Bumble is that place that the guys that go, "I'm a feminist," go, and then like not saying that the guys can't be feminists, but the ones who say, "I'm a feminist," but yeah, that's where mm. they go. They go to Bumble. The guy who tried to convince me that um, I should definitely date him and then proceeded to tell me in an essay of a message why I was wrong to vote Remain. Oh my god. Uh-huh. If you can hear certain weird things in the background, it's Kim's neighbours who have decided to come back and raise small elephants upstairs. And they never invite me and it's really rude. Yeah, rude. Anyway, um, back to the book. Back to the book. We've talked about what we liked best about the book and also to a degree what we didn't like about the book. Mm-hmm. Um... We've also talked a little bit about, or at least I have, characters that I identified with. Did you identify with any of the characters? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I... There was one character I liked that I didn't necessarily identify with, and that was... um, And he was only in it for a brief bit, and I don't know why him necessarily, but in uh, Jerks, Mm. the guy that she ran into who used to be the really popular boy in school that all the girls wanted the brooding S- guy Silas. Silas that's it but he just seemed really like relaxed and fine <laughs> it's like you seem very drama free compared to all the others which is not to say I always yeah, like a simple like... character but sometimes when they're complicated just to the point of being dicks all the time it got a bit draining they were all quite heightened weren't yeah. they yeah it was I agree I quite liked him and I liked yeah. that there was a person who was <laughs> a moral slate doing alright yeah. Apart from his, you know, like, massive drug habit in the past. Yeah, well. <laughs> no one's perfect. It's in the past. <laughs> it's okay, in the sorry, past. Sorry, He now works at a framing shop. So, it doesn't you know, matter. He's obviously getting on track. Yeah, but he's happy. Yeah, that's true. What about you, Alex? Did you identify with anyone in particular? Um, well, I spoke a bit about Barbara. Hmm. Maybe I relate to the golden retriever. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Just like that's, unaware of seem... the world, but like quite happy for a cuddle. That does seem about right. That's your Tinder buyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think also what I did find quite hard was it was quite highly Americanized. Well, she's American. Well, no, exactly. And it was obviously all the stories were set in America, but I do sometimes find it hard to uh, relate to a character that is 
I just, I just, I find it easier to relate to English characters, and I don't know if that's just a sense of humour thing or if it's um just lifestyle, I suppose, and being able to like relate to place names and things like that, and therefore kind of putting myself in their position. So you felt like it distanced you slightly because of the the geographical links, yeah, and not well, and and the way they talk. And, yeah, yeah, I suppose like you know I read American novels all the time, but I. I think because this was so reliant on you relating to these women, yeah. mm. I, I think that's why I didn't follow the journeys as much. And when people in this talk about like, oh, I moved from Michigan to New York, and they're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> How far is that? Is that four miles? Is that... Yeah. Is that Lancaster know, to Bolton or is it, you know... Yeah. John O'Groats to Land's End yeah. like yeah and like high school and then college and having a college roommate and stuff like that it was yeah. just all kind of like I, I'm completely detached from that world so yeah. you know that's an interesting point mm. I hadn't thought about that I'd like to pull out one of my favourite quotes now yay which I just really like um, oh, is it oh, the no, same one, one as mine I hope is yours about the dog no okay maybe then it's the bit in Pearl and the Swiss guy fall in love the other dog story. The other dog. There were a lot of dogs in this because mm. Muscle was a dog, and True. Um, there was another one in it somewhere. There were quite a few dogs, which was you know an advantage. Hashtag more cats. Hashtag more cats <laughs> for you maybe. But it's when they're having sex, and he said, and she's written, um, uh, he started patting my vagina. That doesn't feel good. Oh yeah. He, he kept doing it. He was supporting my theory that most guys touch vaginas to turn themselves on and are not really concerned with what, what feels good to the vagina. Now I read that and I was like. Uh, that explains so much. <laughs> I, d- I don't know. That was just a quote that definitely resonated. <laughs> it definitely made me think of your stand-up, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought it was quite insightful. Yeah. And actually, I, I, that, maybe that was one of the points I could relate to. Not because no, one, no anyone has ever patted my vagina, no. <laughs> but because, like... Well done. <laughs> <laughs> relating back to the ponies. Like, yeah. pony treats. <laughs> um, Feed the pony. <laughs> But like I do, yeah. I I think I definitely have had those relationships where you're like, "What, what are, are you, you doing? doing? <laughs> Why do you think that feels good? Who Great. told you that was good?" <laughs> yes, that was a good quote. Yes, I thought um, it was good, and it, it was. I it, think everyone has experienced that moment in sex where you're like, "This is not for me. For my benefit, is it? This is purely for you." But have you ever done that in sex? Been like, "I'm doing this because it makes me feel good, and I don't give a shit if you feel good." Yeah, some I think sometimes, but not if someone has told me to stop doing it, I haven't then continued because I'm like, don't give a shit. Carry on patting. <laughs> I'm going to continue batting it around or whatever the fuck people do. You know, like. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that one. What batting it around? Oh, good. Um, oh. Anyway, um, so speaking yes. about sex. <laughs> My favourite quote was also a sexual one. Of course it was. And it was in Desert Hearts, which I feel was a favourite amongst all of us. And I think it was because the end of the quote was somewhat expect- unexpected. And we've already kind of, we touched on this before we um, started the podcast because it was a firm favourite. And it starts with, I choked myself up thinking how grateful I was to have someone who knew my body by heart and can get me off in two minutes or two hours. And especially how grateful I was when it took two hours. When we finally went to sleep, I had a dream that I worked at the store and I had to wear a tiny dildo necklace. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have some questions about the dildo necklace. Is it 
Is it like, tiny as in a choker, or is it tiny if the dildo's what, tiny? Well, the dildo's tiny. Yeah, is it a tiny choker with a big dildo on it? Is it one long dildo that goes all the way around? Is it multiple dildos? Like, I need to know more. Yeah, I <laughs> imagined it with tiny dildos, a bit like some kind of weird, like, voodoo necklace. Like those candy necklaces you used to get, but made with... I imagined dips. it like that, with lots right. of tiny little be- dildo I'll beads. S- but... Hang down. Dildo beads. I was thinking, as you were talking about the different kinds of dildo necklace it could be... You know those... Um... Producer Holly has done a drawing, which we will put on Instagram <laughs> for your <laughs> delight. You know those lolly, uh, dummy lollipops that you get at fairgrounds that you can wear oh, around your neck? Yes. That is what I imagine it right. now. Yeah. That's chunky. Was it also made of candy? If it wasn't, they missed a trick. Oh, well, I might suggest this at work as a new line. <laughs> My God, you should. Oh, yes. We haven't Dickuses. actually no, super talked about... Units. Um, <laughs> we haven't super talked about... We have not super talked about your day job. We've mentioned it, but given that we are talking about Desert Hearts and And Dildo Necklaces, pertinent. So you don't just sell them behind Morrison's? I do not just sell them behind Morrison's. I sell them on the internet, which, as everyone knows, is a much safer place to buy your dildos, probably. Yeah, well, I think when I was reading Desert Hearts and they were naming some of the different products, and I was like, oh, the Erosolator, I know that one. And um, so it was... (laughs) Weird to read, like, you know, four years ago, I wouldn't have read that and known what that was necessarily. Not that I was new to sex toys, but I wouldn't recognise brand names and be like, oh, a Duck Johnson. Yep, they're big ones. (laughs) They wouldn't be a good necklace. They'd give you neck strain. (laughs) Did you have a particular question about my day job? No, I just wondered whether you wanted to elaborate on it with relation to Desert Hearts. Well, it's... I think with Desert Hearts as well, the fact is, it, for me, there were relatable bits, but also it's a shop and I never have to deal with people in the flesh. So she's talking about yeah. she's talking about when the pe- the women come in and they want to try the ride-on thing. thing. Oh yeah, what was yeah. that? I couldn't even imagine what that I was. Really it's like, a, it's you know, like an actual electronic wheelie. Like an actual whole machine. Yeah, so it's like a, like a chair or a stool. So some of them are like, they're sloped like that and then at the end they've got sort of a motor um that's housed in the same stuff as the rest of the chair uh and on that motor there's a bit that sticks out and there's a dildo that goes on that and basically thrusts Bloody so hell. you just lie in it pop it in and off it goes oh. and people buy them yeah people love them how much do they go for about 400 quid <gasps> depending on which one you go for i mean you'd have to be quite ta- my rich and is... horny my issue is not the machine itself my issue is where do you put that like you have to be rich enough like to a have a house specifically to put that in that people then can't go in it couldn't go in a kitchen cupboard could it (laughs) you don't put it in the spare room and then when people come around like oh quick shove it in the cupboard under the stairs like (laughs) or in like in the bath and like close the shower curtain (laughs) like no one can see i think you've got a burglar in there no that's just my dick machine (laughs) but it's moving no yeah that's what it does yeah (laughs) i have i have nothing to offer this conversation because You've the more the more we talk dick. about it, the more my inner prude comes out, and I'm like, I don't know how people buy them. <laughs> how do people? Oh, I respect that's... everyone's fetishes. Everyone can buy the one they want. I have like seven, but not dick machines. <laughs> Normal dildos. <laughs> um, and I mean, you spoke about your affluent background, but like, mummy and daddy buying you the one. Mummy and daddy bought me a. Mummy and daddy bought me a dick machine. <laughs> Right, this, t- this podcast is being called Mummy and Daddy, Daddy Bought Me a Dick Machine. No two ways around that. I, mean, I think we'll get oh, many, wow. many you listens. You buy the deluxe one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> around. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
As you may be able to tell, the wine, listeners, the wine is setting in. And we are now on bottle two, which is your standard Sainsbury's yes. Pinot Grigio blush. Which, for all our veganesses, is vegan. It is. It says vegan on the back. And that yes. word listeners was listeners, not listeners. Listeners. <laughs> and it's number two on the dry scale. Good to know. Let my vagina. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Kim, did but you yeah. have a favourite <laughs> Uh, I mentioned my favourite quote about Beth's lovers. Oh, yeah, you yes. did. Um, I did have some others. There was one which um, made me happy because it was in Mike Anonymous and it just reminded me of several texts that I have sent Sam over the uh, course of the last few months, which have been a shit show. I was also thinking I might want to move to the forest and eat berries and mushrooms and hibernate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. True. True that. You should move to the woods, I think has been my general refrain for a while. Moving to the woods away from everyone is so fucking tempting. No wine, though. <laughs> no wine. No wine. I was going to say make wine, wine but, from... then, but then it would be like toilet wine in prison. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to bro- brew that. <laughs> from the berries and the mushrooms. <laughs> Come to my cabin berry and wine my toilet wine. Eat my wine. Yeah, not if you brew it in a toilet. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I wanted to see if anyone had any thoughts or if anyone had noticed the repetition of Eunice, the character, the older, kindly woman. Oh, I have not. I, I have know not. Eunice was the one at the dog home. Um, she, yeah, she dog. was the woman who was at the dog home. She, she the was AIDS in clinic as well. Yeah, yes. she was in Mike Anonymous, oh. and she was in a couple of other ones as well. Like, I think that she was mentioned as a parent's friend. And mentioned as maybe an aunt or something in one of the other ones. I I, cu- I tried to count how many there were, but then I got distracted. Oh, well done. Um, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. No. Well, Very then we can just ignore this part because it clearly doesn't mean anything. The fact that it's repeated, it. I mean, that's interesting. And I wonder who this genius person I is. I wonder if she was inspired by someone and I Possibly. didn't read the acknowledgements to find out. It just says to my family, I think. Mm, yeah, but that's that's the dedication, the acknowledgements. Oh, different. sorry, yeah, there is at the back, isn't there? It was just an interesting. No, but it could point. be she could have been inspired by someone. Yeah, because Eunice is quite a unique name, or at least it is in England. I don't know any Eunice's old or young. Aww. This is the saddest bit. Even Aww. though Honey is dead and Rhoda and Tallulah can't read, dogs. thank you to my three dogs for keeping me company while I worked, for inspiring me, for making me laugh, and for rescuing me from the loneliness of being human. Dogs are great! Oh, see, this is why there were so many dogs. Yeah. And also the fact that she says that it's lonely being a human. And actually, I do think that is quite a theme throughout all of them, actually. Yeah. It's loneliness. I would like to move on to a slightly more visual question. Um, If you visit our Instagram, which is Sam. It's Great Culture Podcast. Thank you. Very simple. You will see (laughs) several pictures of us reading the book or pictures of the book mm-hmm. you will be able to see the cover that we are about to talk about <sighs> words wine <laughs> <laughs> um what did you guys think of the cover choice the book cover choice um honestly i so the, the cover for anyone who may not have instagram or whatever is um is a white cover it's got the word slut sprayed across it in pink letters, which is what happens in Barbara the Slut. She gets that sprayed across her locker, and that's pretty much it. And then you've got 
pull quotes from reviews and things like that. But My... the slut is only visible when you open it up. Yes, you have to spread the book to see the full word. Whereas on the front, you just get part of the U and the T, which to me makes it look like JT, which made me think I was reading something by Justin Timberlake. I don't think <laughs> it's the best thought through cover I've ever seen. Mr. JT, know what you got for me. I've had too much wine <laughs> and not enough food. I, I like the cover a lot, but I agree with you that it is almost less effective because you have to splay the entire book. And yes. how often do you really do that? And I understand if someone is sat reading the book, they're going to have it open. But then you're like, that slut is not for the reader. That slut is for everyone to know that they're reading yeah. a book called Slut. Yeah. A book called Slut. A horse called Boy. Alice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And it, actually, it was only when um, Kim was updating the Instagram, when I actually opened it and took a picture with yeah. it kind of like splayed across my face, is I realised that it actually did say slut. Like, I didn't, I hadn't actually realised beforehand. Yeah, how many of us open the cover of a book and go, oh. Yeah. But it's definitely one that's designed to be seen by other people, not the person reading it, I think. Yeah. yeah. I also think the same is true of the title. Yes. That Barbara the Slut is not is meant to make people ask you what you're reading it may be meant to be eye-catching on display and it's certainly memorable yeah but i wondered why you know she chose that story to title it over everything else what would you have picked which one would you have picked as the title i'm not sure probably i would have felt like desert hearts would have been a really good title for this collection if we're talking about the loneliness of the human condition i mean that's true true yeah, because I was thinking, like, what have we spoken about that actually weirdly unites all of them? And actually, m- maybe Desert Hearts does. Yeah, I suppose, how am I supposed to talk to you? Which the first story makes it sound like a... Really dull. I don't think it's <laughs> dull. It just makes it sound more like a how to have a conversation with your like, with your partner kind of thing. It doesn't sound yeah, like a... Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. sound happy and fun and funny. Yeah. Weekend with Beth Kelly, and Mu- uh, Beth Kelly, Muscle and Pammy, and then putting another stories would be too long. Same with Pearl and the Swiss Guy Fall in Love. Same with I Will Call to Rally if I have to. Mike Anonymous means nothing. Desert Hearts would probably have been a good choice. New Girls, again, not Isn't there a book called New Girl? There's a show called New Girl. Oh, okay. With Zoe, look how quirky I am, Dashanel. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I like her. Why? What's to like? I suppose Barbara Barbara is a person. Yeah. Whereas the other stories weren't really a person, which is why it's gone... Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. But yeah, I do think it was more of a statement. Than... But it's interesting that she went for with other people rather than other stories. Yes. Because yes. I'm definitely referring to it as other stories. Yeah, because that's what Joanne goes to with Barbara the Slut and other people. So. Also, in a post-Stranger Things universe, it made me think of Nancy the Slut Wheeler and Barb. And Barb, yeah. 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 Which I'm sure was an unintentional but welcome boon for Lauren Holmes. Another sort of thing that we usually discuss when we talk about books and i think is a bit harder with this because we've talked about that there's snapshots you certainly wouldn't make it into a film but did anyone envisage any particular actor or actress in any of the parts as they read there wasn't actually there's one person and i don't know why but in um pearl and the swiss guy fall in love Mm-hmm. Um, the Swiss guy in question who was never named by the way he's just called oh no he Swiss was once guy. no he was once was he? yeah because I, I was like who on earth is this person and it's like oh they per- he, she purposely named him once oh, I can't I remember what it was that. called it's not what she was introducing him, no no like it was in a weird moment okay 
Well, he's named once, and then the rest of the way through is referred to as the Swiss guy rather than his name. But in my head, I saw him as um, Michael Fassbender being Steve Jobs. <laughs> Interesting. I imagined him blonde. Yeah, kind me too. of like that guy who was in House, the Australian guy. If you could uh, do a Swiss accent, yes. that'd be great. Do you know how I imagined him? You know, in um, Inglorious Bastards, yeah. the guy that plays the real baddie, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah, him, but if he was bleach blonde with thick rimmed glasses. Oh, he said that sounds like a creepy combo. Yeah, but I thought he was quite a creepy guy. He was quite creepy. I thought he was creepy, but not initially. Like, but I, I imagine, I imagine him to yeah. be really obsessed with like cleanliness and stuff like that. Like he's quite particular. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, like Danny DeVito covers himself in hand sanitizer and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't seen it. Never mind. You. Chuck was. Oh, oh producer Holly. Producer Holly, you're going to be like Comedy Dave on Aww. the Miles. Um, I also don't think that they gave massive descriptions of people. No. So I don't think I would be able to really picture any particular celebrity, really. It wasn't enormously visual. And um, also massive on their personality. Like, the, I suppose it's so hard to have massive like character development just from a snapshot of this person's life. So I did actually, I did get a sense of who they were, but I, I don't think I actually massively pictured anyone even imaginary or a particular actor yeah or actress did you have anyone particular in mind i'm trying to think if i did and i i don't feel like i did massively i certainly saw how it could work as a inside number nine-esque show where like each episode is a different story and everything but i i don't know if i'd watch it like i don't know if i'd care yeah i that's the thing, I don't oh, care enough the, about anybody, yeah. really. I don't agree that short stories don't have to like don't have character development, cannot give you no, a full rounded story. Like... I don't think these ones did as good of a job as other short stories that I've read. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um And that's probably why we can't picture people or or relate to them or because it didn't speak to us as much as Yeah. Although I I mean some people don't see the movie when they read. I don't know if, if that's how you guys think of it. Like, some people just see the text and they don't actually imagine the characters. I normally do, but with slightly fuzzy I, yeah, faces. Yeah, I normally do. And, yeah, this was fuzzier. This is, it felt at points, because of how straightforward the language was and the way it was written, it felt to me sometimes like someone had written a script for something and then fleshed it out into a story, rather mm. than the other way around, if you know what I mean. I don't know if I agree for me. Mm. Like, if I... Because I, I did not not enjoy this book. I enjoyed the book. I read it in two and a half hours, I think, and yeah, me too. About it that. was entertaining. It wasn't cheerful, and I did have to watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt afterwards to cheer myself up. But I, I did enjoy it. Like I did think it was, I did think it was well written, and I did think that it was interesting. I just didn't think that it was. I think my expectations for it were wrong. I think the fact that it says on the front cover, hilarious like witty mm. brilliant feisty brilliant hilarious. feisty Sassy hilarious. Savvy. yeah i don't think it was any of those things none of that the one i would say the uh blurb on the cover that i would say is darkly sparkling it's the word darkly isn't it yeah, yeah but also sparkling because of our excellent stan lake park wine <laughs> <laughs> i like what you did there that was flawless i, don't know either of those tropes on there, I 
feel like we have covered everything about the book and also we're running out of things to say and I'm starting to slur. Yeah, I think <laughs> you. The wine is, does put a bit of a timer on, so. So I feel like we've talked quite a bit about the book and what we liked and didn't like and I think we've made it clear that we didn't hate it, we didn't love it. Yeah, mm. I would, wouldn't would reread it. Any closing no. thoughts that we haven't touched upon that we might want to bring up? I feel like this... I, feel, I, I believe this was her first this was Lauren Holmes' first book or at least first collection of st- short stories and to me it reads like that it has potential for things to be really poignant or really funny and instead it kind of sits somewhere in between um, mm. n- never quite going to one extreme or the other that was my feeling about a lot of them yeah I kind of I really yearned to kind of laugh out loud and never really did about you know apart from the tiny dildo necklace (laughs) because it was unexpected but I felt that all of it the rest of it was quite expected yes and didn't make me super happy didn't make me super sad made made me kind of feel quite comfortable being a human being and yeah read it in like one afternoon didn't change my life but didn't you know, make me super sad. Didn't make you go and cry in a corner. Exactly. So, you know, it's a light-hearted read. I would say it's probably a holiday read. You wait until someone reads Ulysses at you on a first day. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're chips. Okay. So, you know. <laughs> I think that we've basically said it all. My closing thoughts I've kind of already done, which is that it wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. I thought it was poignant and I thought it was interesting. I just don't think it was the right book that I was expecting and I think yeah. the advertising is generally misleading yes. to be honest with you yes. I did have a, quite a few highlighted bits when I remember to highlight it and I certainly wanted to keep reading it and there were funny bits but it just wasn't as funny as I expected I do think though if I read it in a different tone of mind state of mind tone of mind if I read it in a different state of mind that I would get more out of it yeah. and I probably will reread it another time more slowly because mm-hmm. I wanted to reread it before we started recording so that I could get that second look without having the weight of its expectations. Yeah. I think that it would be a really interesting one to revisit. Okay, interesting. With that being said, um, we are going to say goodbye. <laughs> Done. Goodbye. <laughs> in the tradition of the stories in the book, we're just going to stop and leave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's um, so that sort of brings us to the end of this week's episode. Um, so if you guys were to recommend this book to a friend, say, and give it a rating out of five, let's say five grapes, because it's grape culture, with five being good, that. one being bad, what would you give the book? I would give it 3.5 grapes. 3.5 grapes. Mm. Three grapes, for me, would generally be a book that I enjoyed and finished. Mm-hmm. That, to the right person at the right time, I would probably recommend to someone. Right. Whereas, I think this is ever so slightly better than other books that I may rate at three grapes. Okay. But it's not quite four grapes, which no. would be something that I really enjoyed. Yes. I would give it three grapes, so half a grape less than Kim. Um, I would say I would definitely read this on like a commute when you're bogged down with work and you really don't have time to like use your brain to like think 
um, and just kind of, ab- but like absorb a story and just kind of let the words wash over you a little bit. Um, so maybe when you're lying by the pool on holiday or something like that. Uh, like him, I finished it, so that's nice, and didn't dislike it, so that's why I was getting three grapes. I enjoyed reading it over a glass of wine as well. I am going to be stingy and I'm going to give it two and a half grapes. I know, because to me it was quite a middle of the road read. I didn't have an extreme emotional reaction Mm, to it. That's true. Uh, As in, I didn't hate it, didn't love it, so it's got to be two and a half. Fair enough. And what about the wine? The wine, for once again, is Stanley Park Wine Estate <laughs> Heritage Brute's English sparkling wine in the traditional method. And it is vegan. And where was it brewed, Kim? Near Twyford. Oh, yeah, Twyford. Twyford. <laughs> that, you know, pearl of English beauty. And um, how many grapes would you give the wine? Actually, as sparkling wines go, I think it's about four. Ooh. Four grapes. It's not the best sparkling wine I've ever had, but... I'm not really sure I've had the best sparkling wine ever. You're what you're yet. holding out, for you know, that. <laughs> holding out for a hero. Um, and I've been to some pretty fancy dinners. Pretty fucking fancy. <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed it, and it suits my palate really well. In that it um, is wine. Is wine. <laughs> and it was in my house. <laughs> so no, that is you know light, bright, and sparkling is how I would describe it. Um, Another good Tinder buy. Also, how Usually blonde. Lizzie Bennett, right. Fun story there. Good. Always got to bring in Jane Austen. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Well, we are in bar. I hadn't mentioned her yet. Um, So, four grapes from you for the wine. Yes. Alex, Mm, what about you? I'm going to (gasps) go 2.75. We're into the 0.25. I don't think it's a 2.5. I don't think it's quite a 3. I'm vetoing the 0.75 grapes. You can't have 0.75. Okay, maybe I'll go for a 3. It's an anarchy. I'll go for a 3. I'll go for a 3. Like, I I enjoy a sparkling wine. I think it was a bit too dry for me. Fair enough. See, I'd have to go with a four as well because Ooh. it did have it was dry but not in that way that cheap shit prosecco yes but what is the difference between prosecco and brat or whatever yeah. it's called brat <laughs> um it did have enough of that sweetness for it to not be too dry for me so i'm gonna go with a four and i think it was a very good choice mm. thank you for sharing it with us Kim. i am interested to know how everyone felt that it paired with the book i think it was uh, good pairing yes it sparkled, as many have said the book does. <laughs> um, I thought the wine was better than the book, I'll be honest. But Ain't it always. I do think having sparkling wine and rosé was a good choice to have for this book, because there was also a dryness to the humour in it. But that yeah, that is true. Excellent. So that does bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, come back in two weeks' time. Uh, we're going to be embracing our inner GCSE geeks and talking about The Handmaid's Tale, which is going to be partly the book and partly the series, because some of us have seen some of that some of us haven't read the book you'll, you'll see when you come back um so remember if you want to follow us on social media you can find us on instagram and twitter just search at grape culture podcast all one word or head over to our website which is grapeculturepodcast.co.uk if you go to the website you can download our podcast there you can also download it on soundcloud podbean spotify itunes and google play Today's episode has been produced by Holly, who has been sitting in the corner Woo! and giggling. Woo! And, and draw, also, drawing necklaces. And drawing penis necklaces, which <laughs> you can find on Instagram. And our amazing logo has been designed by our friend Tylee as well. So do you can find, you can find on Instagram at Tylee, Tylee, Tylee. 
Yeah, she's nodding. It's that one. Or on her <laughs> website at Tidy Designs. Yes, so do check out her stuff because it's fucking great. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. And we have been Sam, Kim, and Alex. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye. Bye.